Riviera dressed like a playboy. Uh, or you can catch me up in Riviera's Tuesday night. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Welcome back to Bobcast, episode 120, the Suicide Squad Review. Joining us tonight is Mr. Brett Talley, a fellow DC Universe fan, a fellow Batman fan. How are you this evening, Brett? I'm fantastic. So, Suicide Squad, we've been waiting for, I guess, the better part of, I mean, a year. We saw the footage last summer at Comic-Con. We were waiting. We were anticipating this film with great... Everything was on the line, really. I mean, the Joker has been non-existent in the film world since 2000, I guess, 8 with Heath Ledger. So, I mean, like, I, I, I was looking forward to it, you know... Every day I would comb the internet trying to find something about, you know, Jared Leto or the Joker for that matter or Suicide Squad. So the week that the film is being released on Tuesday, we get a whole shit ton of negative reviews. And I got to tell you, I mean, my experience, as you know, uh, the pop, the Bobcast listeners out here, uh, the last time that Brett and I were together for Batman vs. Superman, it wasn't a positive viewing experience. Um, so when I saw the reviews coming in, I was pretty upset. I was like, I can't believe they've messed it up again, you know. But um, my, I, I kept my judgments to myself. I do have my my uh, my review on the film, but um, I mean, I, I imagine you have a very similar type of story to tell, Brett. Um, like leading up to Suicide Squad, what was your thoughts when you read those negative reviews? Well, at first, you know, I I was really confused because I had read a few articles about the initial response of the movie, and it all seemed positive. I read a couple of, like, you know, the, it's like a new thing now that's done on, like, social media where, you know, critics go to these screenings and they just put these tweet, uh, tweets out about it. And I saw an article, I had seen an article where all the tweets were positive, and I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is really great. And then... That day came where all those reviews were just unleashed, and it like really confused me. But then I remembered back to Batman Superman that a similar thing had happened. I remember seeing like a bunch of positive tweets from like early screenings, and then the reviews started coming out. So I, I don't know if this is like some kind of trend going on where Warner Brothers is paying these people ahead of time, and then you know once the movie actually comes out this, like, gag order is lifted and they can actually express their real thoughts. So it really bummed me out because I was really looking forward to the movie. Um, Even things that I thought going into it that were going to be a positive thing, like, people were even destroying that in reviews. So I had the same feeling that you did. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, why can't, like, Warner Brothers... Why can't they get this right? Why can't they get this right? And, you know, to go from Batman versus Superman, which is a pretty dark movie. It's really dark. Right. And then the trailers for Suicide Squad almost made it look like, you know, hey, check it out. This is going to be our Guardian of the Galaxy for DCU, you know? We yeah. got the songs. We got the, the vibrant colors, the characters. And then you go and see the movie, and it's still dark despite you know you know they're really trying to you know add um some humor and 
other lighter elements and those that I, I, I read later were like all reshoots after like the negative response from Batman versus Superman. <laughs> See, the uh, one thing too, like, I mean, first first off, let me just say, okay, so, I mean, I read all the negative reviews um, as I watched the tomato meter dip down below even what Batman vs. Superman was. I, I couldn't believe it because, I mean, I was going opening night. Or, excuse me, I wasn't going opening. I was going the night before. I went to Thursday night viewing at the right. Regal Cinema up here in Plymouth meeting at 9 o'clock. And I'm just, like, thinking to myself all day. I mean, even from, from the day that the reviews came out on Collider.com or whatever website – that you're reading out there on the internet, I kept thinking, my God, I have to go sit and watch my childhood go through this again. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta go watch all my favorite characters just be brutalized and not, like, you know, handled with respect. But, I mean, for me, you know, I, I was in a movie theater with a lot of Batman Joker fans. I mean, my friend to my left, it was very fun. Like, I had a friend to my left that was dressed in Joker regalia, a friend to my right dressed in Joker regalia, some guy with his girlfriend who we didn't know comes and sits next to my friend on the left wearing almost identical the same Joker outfit, same T-shirt, same cargo shorts, camo, camo style. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I just got to, like, sit back and try to have a good time with this because, I mean, you know, I mean, this I've been looking forward to it for so long, so I reserved all judgment. And, you know, I mean, the film, it didn't, you know, it didn't do for me what The Dark Knight did, but I did enjoy it, you know, like, I, I didn't... I didn't hate it as much as uh, I hated Batman versus right. Superman. Like during Batman versus Superman, I mean, I literally within the first five minutes cringed in my seat when he starts floating up towards the you know the sea of bats in the Batcave. I, I thought, right. my God, this is I can't believe they're doing this. There wasn't there wasn't <laughs> was a moment for me uh, in Suicide Squad where I felt that they weren't handling the characters with care. And one of the things that all the reviewers were talking about was the plot. The plot's so thin. The villains. You know, this, that, or whatever. And, like, you know what? Like, I was just happy that they got the characters right. And, like, I really do believe that you have to have some, somewhat of an understanding of who Deadshot is. You can't just go into this film thinking, oh, it's Will Smith. as You know what I mean? Like, you have to know a little bit about each person. Even for Harley, even for the Joker. I mean, even Killer Croc. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that they did a good job. But I do think that there is some problems within the film itself as the way it was crafted. But, um... Right, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, I, I enjoyed it. There was, like, a, maybe a point in, like, I guess Act 2 where, you know, I didn't really understand why they were going up to that building, but we'll get to that later. But, I mean, so, like, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I felt happy to be in the movie, and I felt like after, you know, the introduction stuff, I'm like, oh, this is, it has a different tone. It's definitely dark, like Batman versus Superman, but at least they're trying to pull the aesthetic of what it's like to actually read a comic book. And what I mean by that is, like, it looked like a comic book. Like, you know, the stats and, like, the kind of, like, burn, the color burn of the screen. And, like, you know, I, I, for the first 20 minutes, I was like, okay, this 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 is pretty good. You know, like, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't uh, mortified. How did you feel? Yeah, I felt the exact same way. Like, I went in ready to hate this movie. And, um, same, same thing. Within the first 15, 20 minutes... I was like, wow, I'm really digging this so far. Like, this is, I don't think this is going to be bad. Um, and then overall, like, when I walked out of there, you know, I thought to myself, I didn't hate it. And to be honest with you, I, I enjoyed it. it. The film had a lot of issues. But for what it was, it was a comic book movie where I went in, I saw comic book characters that I've loved, like, you know, since reading comics when I was a kid, and 
You know, I'm a huge Joker fan, and I had a hard time, like, before seeing the movie, coming to the fact that I don't know if I would be able to accept another Joker other than Heath Ledger. And I was really looking forward to Jared Leto's performance because I think he's a great actor. And within his, like, first two minutes of one screen, I was sold. I'm like, oh, man, this is great. Yeah. I love what Leto's doing. I love uh, how they used the, the Alex Ross image of him and Harley in the her and her oh, classic yeah, like, yeah that was straight out of the books but I felt the same way yeah. I guess uh, I mean the one thing that, that's going on right now with social media is there's a guy in the United Kingdom who's actually suing the filmmakers because he believes that he was misled to watch this film because yeah, Jared you know he's only in the film for a little bit and lots of the scenes that were used in the commercials aren't in the film and this is kind of like an ongoing right. trend now with modern day blockbusters they cut stuff, you know, but at the same time, in all defense of Suicide Squad, I do recall back in 2000, I guess seven before the film came out, the um, the Dark Knight trailer, the Why So Serious line in the trailer is different from Heath's performance in the film. It's a darker take right. in the trailer. And I always was yeah. wanting that, you know, but I mean, they've been doing this for a long time. But I mean, I guess in this film... I could see how somebody was misled to thinking a that the Joker is the the main villain, and right. b that Jared Leto, you know, I mean, he's underneath Will Smith's name in the um in the marquee bill. But I mean, right. you know, like in all defense, I guess of the people who were you know really upset that Jared wasn't the the Joker wasn't the main villain, the Joker wouldn't want anything to to do with these people really. You know what I mean? Like the Joker's right. not interested yeah. in destroying the world; he's interested in destroying Batman. You know what I mean? Like. And he, re- I, you know, I've never seen Joker on screen have a love interest, and that to me was just like, wow, that's a totally different dynamic that I've never seen before. But I mean, yeah. you know, I, I pers- I wanted more Joker, but I was happy with yeah. what I got. I mean, what was your take on it? I um, I think a real big mistake done by the studio was I don't think they should have ever released any Joker footage in the trailers at all you know because then I feel like then by going into it I don't I don't think people would have had a problem with it as much because I think he only has like 10 minutes screen time total and in the trailers other than the scenes that were deleted I mean they pretty much give you a taste of every scene he's in like every Joker scene in the movie that they kept I had seen in the trailer at some point you know except except the final the very final scene with him but um I, I just don't think he should be... Like, it would have been cool if in the trailers they kept it about the suicide slot and then, you know, did something where the screen would go black and you would just hear Jared Leto's laugh and that's it. Yeah, you know just I mean? keep where him like a mystery. He was going to be in it. That way I think expectations would have been lowered and people wouldn't be... But, like, they really market the movie as, like, you know, the Joker is, like, 50% of the movie as well. You know, and I was kind of bummed about it because, like, I found myself in the movie sitting there. I just wanted to get back to the next Joker scene. Like, I was involved in the movie and I was digging it, but I just found myself saying, like, all right, get me back to the Joker. I know. I want to see more Joker. Show me what's going on with the Joker. (laughs) And, you know, I see what they were doing and I was entertained by it. But, you know, in even recent interviews now, like, Leto has started to come out and, like, show a little bit you know, signs of annoyance that so many scenes of his were cut out. And I think I just read an article the other day where he said, 
the amount of things that were filmed for him, it could have been like a Joker spinoff movie. And then Margot Robbie came out in an article saying like, she's like expressing, you know, disappointment that a lot of his scenes were cut out because she couldn't believe how great he was filming these scenes. And it's like a shame, you know, I guess we're going to be getting like an ultimate <laughs> cut of that as well. Although David Ayer says that this is his cut. He's he's so, since actually we'll he's changed uh, his his uh, he, today on the internet there was actually these um, quotes of his saying that there was actually four different cuts. And there's one cut yeah. where the film's very linear. It starts off instead of the the character introductions. It starts off with the you know the enchantress, the origin oh. story of her. But I mean like even like the stuff that we saw years I mean like a year ago where the Joker is getting out of his car to confront Harley Quinn or excuse me. She's not Harley yet. She's still in, you know, the human type form, and she smacks. Uh, excuse me, the Joker smacks her and stuff like that. That scene was completely cut out. You may see like a yeah. snippet of it in the film, but at the same time, like I'm thinking to myself, if I'm Warner Brothers and I'm thinking about how much press Leto's getting in this, like you know, uh, submersive performance of the Joker, maybe we should give the audience what they want. You know what I mean? Like, so was it like a a creative choice, but at the same time, I'm also thinking to myself that the scenes that the Joker was in, one of the things that I think that Warner Brothers realizes that, okay, so since we're, we're telling a story that's in the comics, but when we translate it to film, perhaps maybe people will have problems with the fact that Harley Quinn is always getting beat up by the Joker, or smacked right. down, or you know, thrown into a vat, of, you know what I mean? I had heard also too that he thrown her into the vat of chemicals, and then it changed to her diving in. But I mean, right. you know what I mean? Like when you set out to make a PG-13 um, film, you really can't write a rated R script. You know what I mean? You can't shoot yeah. a rated R film and then want to switch it to PG-13. I mean, I guess with Suicide Squad, I enjoyed the film wholeheartedly. I mean, but that was the one thing that I think that they, you know, like dropped the ball on was the fact that there was so much more potential for the Joker, even in extended scenes, like, you know, where he confronts, um, the one um, security um, guy at Bell Reeve, the he's in the casino, and you know I want to show you my toys. Like that wasn't in. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of things. It's just the, bizarre um, choice. You know what I mean? On Warner Brothers, is, you know what I mean? Like why? Yeah, why would you do I, that? You know, and like clearly, Warner Brothers will take risks here. I mean, they made an R-rated version of Batman versus Superman. You know, so clearly. You know, from what I understand, you know, the ultimate cut of that movie has been a little bit more accepted. Like, it's still a mess of a movie with some issues. But, like, I've seen the ultimate cut, and I actually didn't mind it as much as I did the theatrical cut, although I still have my, my, my major issues. But in a world where a movie like Deadpool that comes out R-rated and absolutely kills, and I think it's, like, the highest grossing R-rated movie at the moment of all time. Yeah. Like, when you got a movie like that that shows you it could be successful, and you're making a movie that's based around, like, DC villains, just do it. Just make it rated R. You know, the movie already had, like, a kind of 90s feel to it to me anyway. Like, it just had, like, a 90s movie um, style to it. Just make it, just make it R-rated. People are still going to go see it because these characters have been around. You know, the Joker's been around for 75 years. It's like clearly like the character is loved and it's not going anywhere. People are gonna pay to see it. Like that's one thing I I read an article today too that 
you know, David Ayer was getting all kinds of pressures from the studio because of the pressure on them of how bad Batman v Superman was, and they came in, and I think they went through four editors on this movie, which I think really shows in the film. I think the editing is, like, terrible. Um, you know, and then they had to take some things out, you know, they had to do reshoots, and, like, David Ayer is known for making, like, pretty violent and gritty movies. Yeah. And I feel like why would you pick him? If I went and saw this movie, I would have never thought that like it was a David Ayer film because. Yeah, and he wrote like, it. He wrote the script too, which is even more yeah. interesting. You know, yeah, like, you're and, choosing and this guy to do it. You're choosing the guy who wrote Training Day to bring right. the Suicide Squad to, to the film, the DC Universe, and not make it art. Right. <laughs> uh, and I, part of me, I just want to know, you know, how much influence studio have on his script, you know, like all this, you know, behind the curtain stuff that we don't see, like, guys, you know, I would love to read his initial script for the movie, just to see, like, what he had, you know, but I just feel like, I happens a lot with these directors that make these, you know, comic book franchise movies, and I feel like, with the exception of James Gunn, like, I feel like a lot of them lose their you know, creativity and, uh, like, stamped, like, their style of directing when they come to these movies because they're dealing with, you know, all these other factors that go into making the film. And you now you got Doctor Strange coming out in November by Scott Derrickson, who makes horror films, and all his horror films, like, have a specific look to them. And when you see the trailer for Doctor Strange, I'm like, this doesn't even look like a Scott Derrickson film. So it's like, why do they go and get these directors when they don't even allow them to bring the style that got them attached to it in the first place into it? You know what I'm saying? I think it's because, you know? I mean, the, the property, the DC Comics properties, the Marvel properties are so... I, I, there's so many, There's fans all around the world, so there's so much of an investment. But I mean... I just, I mean, I don't know. I would love to actually watch Suicide Squad and have, like, subtitles at the bottom, like, this is the reshoot, this is the, the next, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yes. I would love to see, like, it's what sequences butchery. are. But, I mean, structurally-wise, yeah, like, from a screenplay point of view, I mean, it is kind of all over the place. I mean, in the beginning of the script, even though it's fun for the first 20 minutes, they actually yeah. introduced the characters twice of right. Deadshot yeah. and Harley Quinn, which... I didn't pick up on the first time because because I was so like nervous. I'm like, wow, it's not that bad. But I mean, like then you you watch it again and you're like, oh wow, they really did do that. But why? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like why not just start off with um, Amanda like doing her thing? And the other thing too, um, from a screenplay um, perspective, that a lot of people in the I guess the Twitter screenplay writing community are calling out is one of the things that they tell you not to do is they tell you not to have a lot of exposition around a table. In other words, like, uh, like, you know, like she's sitting at that, that dinner table explaining to them about what would happen if Superman, you know, came in and took the president, blah, blah, blah. And then you bring the enchantress into, I guess, one of the, you know, the all time secret rooms of the Pentagon and you have the future villain of this film showing you an example of her powers, which was kind of questionable, but, I mean, it is it is what it is, but you know what I mean? Like, I can't believe at this moment, though, that it sits lower on the tomato meter than Batman vs. Superman. 
which is kind yeah. of strange because Batman vs Superman, there isn't any real joy in that film. I mean, it, there's a couple <laughs> moments where you you see your icons on screen, you you get that sense of excitement. But I felt that the Suicide Squad did a good job with the characters, enough for me to just enjoy myself at the theater. Whereas with yeah. Batman vs Superman. I was miserable, and I'm not necessarily sure that the, the the reshoots that David had to do have anything really to do with like my opinion. I think from the get go he had an idea of who these characters were, and I mean like it stays true to the comic. Whereas I feel as if you know Batman vs Superman they, they they're off the cuff completely like at this moment, and we're gonna talk about that later in the show. But I mean, as far as um the squad goes, I mean positive things. I think my favorite part of the film, and I think that since you're such a uh, Batman fan yourself, you'll agree. I love when Deadshot's talking to his daughter in the alley, and you just see Batman glide in behind him, and like they yeah, have that interaction. I, I thought that was straight out of the books, and like I was just like, mm-hmm. finally. And you know what? Like not not many people are complaining that Batman's not in the film too much. But, like, when they do use Batman in the film, I, I, I thought it was great. I mean, like, I, fe- I felt like that's Batman. You know what I mean? How great was the Harley Quinn punched in the face underwater? Oh, I was, I was almost positive that somebody was going to be talking, you know, trash on that. Like, oh, Batman's punching Harley Quinn. But, I mean, that's that's straight out of the, the cartoon. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Did you happen to pick up... Um, it was way too uh, hard to pick it up, I guess, during the... The, the theatrical run of it, but uh, like um, they're saying here online that uh, it's actually Harley Quinn that killed Robin, and oh, yeah. apparently that oh, appears in her stats. But I mean, I still haven't seen that. But just today, I mean, I'm looking at this article right now where the director has his say about uh, the Joker's uh, tattoos and also that, the Joker's yeah, grill. Yeah. And this is a quote from that the director himself. It says, um, "This is sort of my personal thing, and maybe less about a larger connection." But Joker killed Robin and Batman basically smashes his teeth out and locks them up in Arkham Asylum. It's in the asylum where the Joker would have done the damage tattoo as a message to Batman saying, you've damaged me, I was so beautiful before, and now you've destroyed my face. That's where the grill comes from. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I could see Batman totally right. bashing in Joker's teeth, but I mean, I guess this Joker... You know, I'm so used to Heath Ledger, you know? This Joker Jumping is into chemicals damaged them as well. True. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's 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 a good point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, the one thing that that can be said though is that I mean, yesterday uh, on TV they were showing The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. I remember when The Dark Knight Rises came out, I had my issues with it, but I would take The Dark Knight Rises like over any of the DC Universe films that are going on right now, and it makes me it makes me wonder why they didn't just give Christopher Nolan a billion dollars and say, dude, can you just make every single DC Comics film, you know, because they would have never had a problem. You know, but I mean, I imagine they approached him with that that type of scenario because easily they could have, I mean, they put Robin in The Dark Knight Rises, they easily could have mentioned something about uh, like an alien crash ship, like, you know, something like about, you know, Metropolis, like along the line, but hence the, the problem, I guess, with... Um, the DC universe at the moment, which is just so frustrating because it's like, you know, like, God, can you guys get it together? I mean, it, I don't even know how to describe it. Because Suicide Squad, it, I was entertained, but at the same time, it's it's not, it didn't do what they hoped it would, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're just three movies in right now, and all three of them have been critically panned. You know, it's like, I think, the, I think one of the biggest things is 
Zack Snyder. I really think at this point, Warner Brothers needs to just get rid of Snyder. Yeah, I mean... I think his vision is a big part of the issues, and, you know, I know he was... uh, he was involved with this movie. I mean, he actually filmed the scene. Yeah, I didn't mind that. Um, you know, I, we, we can talk about that real quick. Like having the Flash appear and take it down, Captain Boomerang. I loved it. I mean, it is yeah. like Captain Boomerang is from the Flash's uh, rogue gallery of villains. So I mean, right. I thought it was appropriate. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of parts of the movie that you know I actually loved. Like I, I, not so much in the third act, but I loved the Enchantress. I thought they handled her, like, her, the way she would transform, like, in the, the White House scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that with the, that was, the hands came, come oh, under the table? Yeah. yeah. That was that unique. That was really cool, man. And I, I was like, wow, this, this is, like, genuinely, like, pretty freaky. I, I thought that that was really, like, it was dark, but at the same time, like, uh, you know, everyone's bashing her because they think that she wasn't a villain who was just and a villain who also has the same type of, you know, uh, plan that everybody else did. I didn't mind it, really. I did right. think it was cool that she went for her brother because from the books, I mean, they don't even really name him. I don't think they say his name at all, but he's Incubus from the the DC Comics right. um, universe. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that was kind of cool, like how he just popped up out of nowhere. I was like, wow. But, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, like, through the characters, I mean, Killer Croc, too. I mean, I love Killer Croc. I, I loved him as a kid. I remember, like, reading that, that introduction, like he was, you know, the prize fighter and stuff like that. I thought uh-huh. that he was handled very well. You know, and true to the mm-hmm. character, and thank God, no CGI. Yeah, that was that was a huge plus to me. Uh, I think Greg Nicotero from uh, Walking Dead uh, fame, I think, did work on the makeup on that. Did he? Oh, wow, man. Yeah. That, that explains a yeah. lot, because that, that was, was just... one thing I really loved, man. Flash. Hey, man, any time you can put somebody in a suit, I'm down for it, you know? I know. Forget CGI. I, I mean, at one time they were going to do... Um, um, I'm not thinking. I'm thinking of Manta from uh, Aquaman. No, uh, King Shark. They were gonna do, mm-hmm. but that would just been way too much. You can't do a CGI character. I mean, it messes up the look of the film too. I mean, if you think about it, I Am Legend is a great movie, but I mean, how much better would I Am Legend have been if they didn't use CGI vampires? You know what I mean? I like, completely agree. Completely and at one agree. point, I mean, off on a tangent here on the podcast, I mean, I, even if you go on the internet and you type it in, you can see that Johnny Depp was attached at one time to be the main villain in I Am Legend, the one who, you know, uh, tries to uh, get at Will Smith, the one who puts Will Smith in that noose. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, you know, CGI, it's just its just not the way to go. Um, Captain Boomerang, I mean, a lot of people are upset that he has, you know, very little to do in the film, but, I mean, I loved his, uh, his antics. I mean, I, I did think I laughed when he left the bar scene and then all of a sudden he walks back in. That was kind of weird. I mean, if there was anybody that was hardly used, it was Slipknot. <laughs> yeah, he... <laughs> I know, I know, man. Like, it's, he... it's like, come on, like, why bother having him in there? Like, if you're just going to, you know, use him for two minutes. <laughs> Literally two minutes, and he is such a plot device to show what happens to the Suicide Squad if they disobey. But at the same time, I mean, like, you can't, you can't show a scene like that and then later in the script, have a scene where Harley Quinn's on her own going up an elevator and not ha- blow her up at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, right. I kept thinking, like, why, why is it, why isn't she dead right now? Because she's so good looking. Like, what, you know, like what? But I, I let that slide. You know, and I think that's. Yeah, well, I took that scene like they were taking the stairs up to where they were going, and she was just being a wise ass and took the elevator. That's how I read that scene. 
Yeah, so that, that's the only part of the script that I just don't... I mean, like, a lot of people were like, well, this the movie really takes place over the course of one night, and I, I thought that was kind of cool. But I didn't yeah. necessarily pick up the first time, like, why they were trying to... Like, why were you trying to get to that building? Because... Did you understand that plot point? What was that again? So, like, when they're going the first time and they're killing all the, the animals, you know, the yeah. the enchantress creatures, they're trying to get to that one building, you know? Uh, Will Smith what? is like, it's the giant trash thing in the sky, but they get there and then uh, Amanda shows up and there's this whole other, you know, interaction and then I do believe the Joker shows up. But, I mean, at the same time, I felt like that that whole segment right there was something that was definitely chopped together to make it, like, you know, like, one real long sequence, whereas, I mean, like, in my mind, before the film came out, I imagined that they put the Suicide Squad on a mission that was different from the actual finale to test them, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't, it yeah. just felt, it felt un, uneven, you know what I mean? Like, at certain yeah. points, well, you, know? you know? I was really surprised, like, when they first get um, rounded up and put in the city, I was like, wow, are we really like at the end of the movie already i was like oh and then i remember looking at my watch and it was like an hour into the movie and i'm like i know this is a two-hour movie i'm like but i feel like we're already into the third act here i'm like how are they gonna prolong this for another hour and they did it just felt really awesome yeah then it went into that whole thing with them getting in the building and amanda waller's in there which you know i gotta admit i actually thought that part was pretty cool because you thought they were going in there and fighting Chantress the whole time. And I'm like, why are they going in this building? Like, who are they getting out of this building? I've never told you. When they, and when they walk in and it's Amanda, I'm like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Like, yeah, but why would she be there? You know what I mean? Because of Amanda Waller's <laughs> screw-up when you think about it. She's the one that, like, wanted to use Enchantress. And the next thing you know, she's forming this squad out of her own fault. Yeah, she's totally responsible for, I guess, the suicide, the whole, yeah, the whole failure of the mission and the whole failure of Enchantress. But I mean, it, I mean, you know, hey, when push comes to shove, I mean, it didn't bother me. I, I got to be honest, I, I love the music in it. You know what I mean? There's a couple mm-hmm. times where I mean, I was like, man, that must have cost so much money to get that song because I mean, yeah, uh, the, the soundtrack sounded very expensive. <laughs> even like, even when you I have the soundtrack and some of the songs that are in the film aren't on the soundtrack which uh-huh. which means that they only could afford to have it in the film which in the movie. <laughs> I mean like I guess Black Skinhead by uh, Kanye West is just super expensive right. I mean it was a proper proper place to put it I love that sequence you know y'all jokers right. must be crazy I was like oh dude this is totally out of the books but I mean, even uh, you know, one of the things uh, in related in the music world, um, I've never heard them, but there's this band from South Africa, and they're called, I believe it's Die Antwood. I'm not really sure if I'm saying that correctly. And they right now on social media are claiming that uh, David, the director, completely stole their band style for this for the film Suicide Squad, down to the Joker's look, Harley Quinn's look, even the department oh, yeah. store that Harley steals the bag from. But I mean, at the same time, you know, it's it is yeah, what it is. Right. I mean. I guess that that's kind of flattering in a way. I don't know if like you can trademark a style, you know, of clothing, but yeah, and I don't know if David Ayer is really like I never really heard of them until Chappie came out. You know, like oh yeah, that's right. She's in Chappie. I love Chappie yeah, by but, the way. A lot yeah, of people hated Chappie. Character. I think both of them, but the entire band was in that movie. 
And I had never heard of them until Chappie, and then I never heard a single thing about them afterwards. Like, and I got all the free time in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I doubt David Ayer. I mean, these are characters that you have years and years and years of source material to build on. Like, do you really think he's going and doing that? I, I just, I think we live in a day and age where everybody wants to take credit for everything and. Like, I, I read that today, and I just laughed it off. Like, I didn't see the comparisons. I could see why they would think that. But in reality, I just didn't buy it. I know. Trying to capitalize on the DC Universe. Um, speaking of the DC Universe, there's a couple films that are coming out. I mean, the next one that we're going to see is Wonder Woman, then the Justice League, and then I believe Aquaman. Um, here on the Bombcast, we're going to place a call to uh, our son, the voice of reason. Let's get him on the line real quick. I'm going to give him a call. Um... First off, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you should know before we call him that his main thing is Superman. Every day, I believe, he wears a Superman emblem t-shirt in different various styles. He loves Superman. I mean, he used to work at the comic book store at the Plymouth Meeting Mall, and all we would talk about is Superman. I tried to talk about Batman because I love Batman more than Superman. Nah, nah, nah. He's talking about Superman. And uh, we're going to give him a call, and we're going to make some predictions about what the DC Universe uh, holds. So uh, let's dial in his number real quick, folks. All right, bear with me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Bobcast, our son, the voice of reason, Randy. He's also the lead singer of Gangster Grass and a podcast podcast host like myself on the Black Tribbles Nation. Randy, how you doing? What's going on, man? How are you? How is everybody? I'm good. Say hello to Brett. He's on the other line here. We just reviewed Suicide Squad, and um, we're going to give you we're giving you a call because basically, I mean, we're talking about the DC universe where it stands at the moment, predictions for the future. But uh, the question that I've been holding on to for the last half hour is this: while I'm watching, you know, these films, I've come to the realization that there can never be a Clark Kent again in these films. As a Superman fan. How do you think they're going to continue the legacy of Superman in Justice League, in the Man of Steel 2 that was just announced? Can they even pull off Clark Kent? What do you think? Um, it, it'll be... It, it'll take a little bit of work because they don't have a Martian man on it. They're totally honest. And that's how they worked it out in, uh, in the Death of Superman. Um, yep. They had much man on her just uh, shapeshift, and Clark was like somewhere in a park or somewhere. He had uh, was living off of rainwater and old rations or something. And it did that whole thing, and it was perfect. And Superman actually rescued him, so it worked. Um, but in the DCU right now, how? I mean, in like. The DCU, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I trust Jeff Johns to pull it off. Um, when you know, they just announced that Jeff Johns is, is, gonna, is like the. Like the chief creative officer in, in in DC proper, and you know has a, a much greater role in the movies. There's one dude I trust to to fix everybody else's problems with everything. It's Jeff Johns. Um, I don't know if you read Rebirth, but the way that he just sort of pulled the whole thing together with the the little string that he left, uh, it. In Flashpoint. Yeah, I, I did read it, and I really I think that Rebirth number one is a step in the right direction. I love that line about like uh, you know there's relationships for years that have gone missing, and now they don't know each other, and you know we have to get back. I, I think it's great. 
Um, yeah, and, and so Jeff can do that. So if there's anybody that can do it, it's Jeff Johnson. Um, I don't have, the, I didn't have the same problems that a lot of people have with Man of Steel and Batman Superman. As a matter of fact, Man of Steel is my favorite movie of all time. Um, and Batman Superman is, is in my top five. Especially having seen, having seen the Ultimate Edition, yeah, the Ultimate Edition, all, all it did for me was it it showed stuff that I assumed already. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing about the wheelchair, I had already assumed that. Um, the part where he, you know, they show him uh, you know, having rescued some people after the explosion, I already assumed that. I, already, I had already assumed a lot of that stuff. And um, you knew it was cut out. And it was like, Zach made this huge three-hour movie, and most, most audiences now don't have the Yeah, but isn't Batman vs Superman like two hours and like thirty minutes? I mean, like cutting out thirty minutes. I mean, I don't know. That. I mean, what's that, Brett? The theatrical cut was two and a half. Right. The the if you watch the open edition, it's three hours long. And but the the things that they cut out were stuff for me that I just sort of assumed. But but the way the way it was actually like was actually cut. It's better, and you know, yeah, that you have to blame the studio on. Yeah, I'm not blaming any, any, and none of that to me is on on Zack Snyder. That's what studio stuff saying. All right, well, we need to cut this, we need to cut this, um, and move this kind of stuff around because that's what they did. So, what I'm learning about Suicide Squad um, from critics, I'm hearing a lot of the same things from critics that you know, the, some of the the cuts were. Uh, whatever some of the edits so on and so forth um but from the people i know that saw the movie because i've been reading people's reviews all over the place the people i know that saw the movie loved it yeah i know i know maybe two people that didn't enjoy it of the you know 30 or 40 reviews that i've read so of people that I know, Brett and I, we just reviewed Suicide Squad, and we both loved it. I mean, like we enjoyed it. There is problems with it, you know, as far as structural like elements of storytelling, but it is the characters that you grew up with on the screen, and it, it's a much more exhilarating ride, I guess, than like Batman vs Superman. I found it was really dark, and it had elements of. I think that the main problem with Batman vs Superman was they got a guy who wrote Argo to do a script about superheroes. The script itself, I mean, it's great seeing these guys on on screen, but there's so much interplay. And, like, one of the things that I had a problem with was, I mean, Lex Luthor's motivation. Why, why Why does he want to take down Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent? And also, how does he know that they're both, you know, they're alter egos? Like, questions like that, I mean, I, I would have loved to explore. I thought in the ultimate cut we would see that. Brett, how did you feel about that? Like, um, Luthor was just, like, you know, I guess... I lo- I, I, I like I get the Eisenberg Luthor for a couple of reasons. One, um, I don't mind a different take on Lex Luthor. Um, the unfortunate part is uh, everybody's sort of stuck on the animated series um, and to, to another extent the, the John Byrne sort of retelling of Lex Luthor where he's rich billionaire. If you look at classic Lex Luthor, like pre-classic Lex Luthor, he was just a crazy person that wanted Superman dead because Superman made him bald. That's crazy people stuff. Yeah. yeah. So Eisenberg, Eisenberg's Luthor is sort of a mix of that 
level of crazy and and uh, and billionaire John Barnes store, right? Plus, you had the whole thing of he and he said it over and over again. His beef with the concept of a god. If there was a god, then that god should have protected him from the, 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 the sort of terror of his father, right? Yeah. Well, this being that proclaiming itself to be a god, no, I'm going to prove to you that you know if this person, if this being is a god, then it can't be good, and if it's good, then it's not a god, and I'm going to put it down. It's, it, you know, it's really simple for me, again, because I'm so Superman deep and have been for a very long time, right? And so explaining a lot of this stuff to, to people, uh, to, to a lot of guys I know that aren't in it like like I am like we are is it's it's almost like explaining particle physics. <laughs> yeah. Like if but if you're, if something you never got you're just not gonna get it. But when when you sort of when you take all of that within the uh the realm of the movie and put it together, it makes more sense and it works better. Um the other thing the thing I'm I'm looking forward to about Suicide Squad is I want a different sort of joker you know i i've always said that there's no um there's no bad portrayal of the joker because when you look at the being as as insane as he's supposed to be then he should like anything he does makes sense uh so by that standpoint, Cesar Romero's Joker is just as valid a Joker as Jack Nicholson's, as Mark Hamill's, as Heath Ledger's, as Jared Leto. They all sort of work because this being doesn't have a real, because he has no real purpose, no real identity. Anything that he does works for the character. Yeah. So, uh, you know, from what I'm hearing, Jared Leto's, uh, Jared Leto's Joker was really good. I, I know a couple people had problems with it, um, but I, I, I also know that those people were going into this movie, um, as a lot of people have been, um, with all three of these movies, to be totally honest, with a sort of a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, I, I've been like, reading that, too. Well, it's not a Marvel movie, so I'm not going to expect it to be good, regardless of whether or not it is. You know what I mean? And so, I think that that's more of the problem for me than anything else. What the hate, the hatred uh, towards the DC universe, and like how people yeah, are just yeah, putting it down? Yeah. Yeah, just for the sake of you know it being. Uh, for the sake of it not being the Marvel Universe kind of thing. I, I, I think that's more of an issue with a lot of people that aren't as really, really sort of wrapped up in it because I've been a Marvel and DC guy for a very long time. Um, I tell people all the time, the two books that got me started collecting Prices on Infinite Earths 2 and Thor 337. And so having been in it this deep, it all matters to me and a lot of people just you know, a lot of people came into it like with the X-Men cartoon and that's been like their heart for a long time. I get that, that's fine. But you gotta be open but, to new interpretations and you gotta be open to new exactly, types of ideas, exactly. you know? I mean, that's and, the one and, thing and, too and, with like, I mean like with books, comic books in general, I mean like you can't, I mean like these these characters will go on forever but you can't, 
tell the same story. If you tell the same story twice, it becomes stale. But I mean, like as far as like you know, uh, Rotten Tomatoes being you know people are accusing them of uh, taking money from Marvel. I mean, come on, it's not. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's crap. Yeah, it's it's crap. I mean, so I mean, you really can't uh, go into these films basing your opinions on a tomato meter. I mean, I actually went and did some research before the film came out. Before I saw Suicide Squad, I was really, you know, I, I was reading the reviews. I was like, I can't believe this film is going to be like that. But I'm here to tell you, Randy and and Brett can attest to this that the film is enjoyable. Um, a lot of films that are cult classics such as Pulp Fiction, or excuse me, Fight Club, The Shining, like, they were completely shit upon the critics. They hated it. When Fight Club came out, people were like, this is absolute dog shit. Don't go, yeah. don't go to the theater and yeah. see this. You know what I mean? And now, today, Fight Club is just as, you know, as culty as, like, you know, an Evil Dead film of the 80s or anything like that. And, like, I, I, I feel as if, you know, you got to go into these types of things not having any preconceived notions, but it's a shame that we actually live now in a world where even before you take the first sip of soda or the first bite of popcorn, you have an idea of, like, if you're going to like this film or if you're going to hate this film. And it especially is hard for people like us because we're such comic book fans and we've been fans for life. And, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's different than watching a movie about aliens invading earth it's something that we've read since we were like i i was like i think four years old you know what i mean when i picked up my first yeah, exactly Batman. i mean um, like th- how did brett like how did you feel about like you know that type of aspect going into the theater yeah you know well that's <clears throat> one of my biggest things with movies in general anymore is and it kind of goes with what randy was saying earlier like people's attention span like i really think that these studios just picture everyone as ginormous idiots because you pretty much see movies in the trailers anymore. Yeah, and that's that's and bummer. That's, that's why I love, you know, J.J. Abrams, Christopher Nolan. Like, they put out these trailers that tell you nothing. You know, one of my favorite trailers of all time was M. Night Shyamalan Unbreakable. The original trailer. Oh my god, that was so good. So good. One little scene of him in the hospital. Boom. I'm sold. Like, like we don't get trailers like that anymore. And, you know, listening to you guys just now, I remember back to, like, when I was a kid. I mean, I was nine years old when the 89 Batman came out. And I remember seeing one commercial for it on TV. And I didn't have the Internet. I I didn't know if this movie was going to be good or bad. And I remember going in the movie theater, seeing it. And everything was new to me. And I feel like... That's the way going to the movies should still be. And, you know, that's why I try to avoid Rotten Tomatoes. And I really, all the controversy around, like, Rotten Tomatoes over Suicide Squad has me cracking up up because, like, people forget that Rotten Tomatoes really is just an aggregator. You know, all they're doing is pulling reviews together. It's like not Rotten Tomatoes coming out saying, like, yo, this movie sucks. You know, they're generating all these reviews together. You know, I'm to the point now where I listen to a podcast where there's this guy who runs it. Like, he avoids trailers at all costs. Like, even when he goes to the movies, he, like, brings headphones to the point where he'll put headphones in. Oh, wow. And, like, just read, read his phone and avoids trailers. What's the name he'll, of that podcast, he'll back, Yeah, he'll go back and watch the trailers after he's seen the movie, and then he decides whether or not the trailer did a good job. Oh, that's smart. Or... That's you know, a great idea. I'm trying to do that, but like, I just have no 
like self control when it comes to that, especially not in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know what? I love it's, like, it's the I worst. Tried yeah, so hard. I tried so hard to not watch the second Star Wars Force Awakens trailer, but like. I, I think I succeeded for like 10 minutes and then I went into a room, I watched it and I cried. I'm just like, <laughs> but even that trailer, it didn't give you like a lot. And I feel like studios really need to go back to like creating like a yeah. sense of mystery. Or even filming filming a different sequence for the trailer. Like uh, War of the Worlds by Steven Spielberg had a completely different segment of a neighborhood seeing the lights come oh, over right. the hill that wasn't even in the film. Uh, Godzilla yeah, yeah, yeah. had a trailer where uh, the foot smashes the the bones of the dinosaur. Um, just to, to right. tag on to what you were saying there, Brett, I'm a, a huge Rocky fan, and I loved Creed. I did not need to know in the trailers that Rocky in the third act gets sick. I did not need to know yeah, that. Right. You ruined the, right. the, the, the most emotional part of the, the film for me. Like what? Yeah, what part of I, that I, is going to make me be like, I gotta go see this movie because Rocky might like die? Like seriously, you're you're going to play with my emotions that way? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they, for they real. Did. Yeah, and that's just like they, they kind of did play with your emotions on that one. But you know what I mean? I totally agree with you guys. I mean, less is more. You know what I mean? And and um, it's unfortunate though. I mean, like what you were saying, Brett. Like, I can't help myself. Like, if there's a movie with the Joker in it, I'm going to consume. You know, almost every single like you know element of media I can, just because I'm a huge yeah. fan. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I wish I that I didn't like, know. When, when Dark Knight came around, I was the same way like you were. I was like all over the internet. Like I needed to know like what he was gonna look like. I wanted to know how his laugh was gonna be. And I remember the very first trailer for Dark Knight, typical Nolan. You don't see shit except the bat logo. And some lines of dialogue from the movie, and they end it with like Ledger's voice. Like, boom, I was sold. Yeah, what did, what did he say in the trailer? He said, uh, it's all part of the plan, or I forget. I remember seeing uh, it in theaters. Yeah, oh, God, what's the line? He I know starts the, laughing. Um, yeah, I know that laugh was in there. But I, like, I was sold. And you know what? There's a, I just watched the trailer today for a movie coming out from the director who did Sicario and, um, that was a sick movie. Yeah, Arrival. was that work. Yeah, the movie's called Arrival, and it comes out, and it's got Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner, and it, it looks like another uh, alien flick. But the way... Yeah, that, yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. You have to go and watch... The, now, it bums me out, because they premiered this trailer yesterday. It's a straight-up teaser. It's a minute long. It doesn't tell you shit about the movie, and it leaves you with, like such a cliffhanger I was like wow I need to go see this movie and then right at the end of the trailer they announced that the actual trailer will premiere tomorrow oh. and I'm just like what I'm like that, you don't need this. like just give me that that was enough Take yeah my you nailed it you nailed it right there trailers for trailers and are the worst so I, I'm really gonna try to avoid the trailer for that when that comes out tomorrow just because like I'm already sold like and the way the trailer was handled, I don't really know much about it. And, like, that's what I want. Like, as a movie fan, I, I feel like if you truly love film, like, I'm not even talking, like, superhero franchise. I'm just talking about a lover of film. Like, you want a sense of mystery when you go into the theater. You want to be awed. You want to be surprised. And I just feel like that's really starting to disappear in today's yeah. social media age. And 
it's really a shame. And I feel bad for, like, you know, younger kids that when they reach our age, like, they're probably going to know the entire movie before going in there. Before it even starts, yeah. It's just such a bummer. You can even do that now. I was on IMDb's message board for Suicide Squad two days before it premiered, and somebody had posted an entire plot synopsis that, like, I quickly, like, looked right past. But I was just like, Yeah, why would you do this? I'm like, why? How does this happen? I'm like, this. It's like you're ruining such a, like you're denying yourself. And I mean, like they're also doing stuff now. Like Warner Brothers. I mean, they released. I was actually shocked at how much footage they released of Justice League at uh, Comic Con this uh, year. No. Um, yeah. I mean, you basically see, you know, a trailer that you would maybe around Christmas time in the month of what was it, July, June. Um, now what I'm here. Now what I've heard about that is that. Uh, a lot of that is very, very basic stuff. So uh, you think I can see two thirds of that? Okay. In okay. The movie. So I'm like, all right, cool. All right, you know, that's fine. I, I, it, it was enough. That was enough for me. Like that Justice League trailer. I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, they had me anyway. Yeah, I, but that yeah. was just like just like Ezra okay. Miller when Ezra Miller's like, stop right there. I'm in. I mean, yeah, you know. yeah exactly. The, the, just the Flash scene alone. I'm like, okay. I love I love the fact that sure. they they've done a, a different version of Barry Allen um, than the TV I show. Be you know? I'm always surprised when that movie comes out that all those scenes that we saw in that are probably not are gone. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah, they, yeah. I feel like yeah. they probably only put that out. I feel like they put that thing out for the wrong reason. All that was was PR. a band aid to show people like, hey, don't worry, we're gonna get it right this time. We're gonna get it right. Yeah, but the, you know what? Like when, when, like twenty years ago, that would have never happened. You know what I mean? Like it, it just. Yeah. But um, the one I mean, thing they, that they, the, they brought critics onto the set that like and Batman v Superman to, sh- to bring them in and show them footage and say, "Hey, look, we listened to you, and we're gonna get it right this time around." Yeah, Justice League. My issue with with a lot of this is that I I think. I think that, that people aren't capable of understanding that there are different ways to do things. Like, the fact that, uh, you know, the Marvel movies have had such, such success is, it, to me, kind of like uh, the Star Wars and Star Trek franchises. Yeah. Uh, if you watch any of the, the original Star Trek movies, they were nothing like any of the Star Wars movies. Right. Um, you know, they, they had just different... It, it was just a completely different thing. They didn't have to be the same. And I think that the sort of the success of the, of the Marvel franchise, and you know, God bless them. I've I've enjoyed every single one of them. Uh, every single one of them. I'm a bigger fan of the Thor movies than most people because I'm a Thor guy. You know, uh, a lot of people uh, were kind of kind of dissed uh, Captain America: First Avenger. That was that movie was it was it was absolutely perfect for you know for setting up Captain America. They nailed totally. it. Totally. Yeah, I agree on that. I just want I want Red Skull to come back. I don't think he's That's coming I back. I read that uh, Hugo Weaving doesn't want to return to the role. The biggest problem that Marvel has had with their movies is that they're all of their like their iconic villains in these in these in these movies have become, have been rather one note. Yeah, and they're, and, and they're like they're taken care of and by the end of the movie. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, other than Loki, like, they all, you know, like, Black, well, well, no, that's not true. But Red Skull, it's kind of left, like, ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Red, it, and Red Skull is Captain America's 
dude. Like that's the guy. Yeah. yeah. You you have if there's anybody you're gonna ha- you have to bring back for a Captain or another Captain America movie. It's Red Skull. Yeah, without a doubt. You know? I, I mean, I had read that uh, the Red Skull was going to come back in a different human. Like the Red Skull doesn't have to keep the same face. I remember reading something that's about fine. That, that, that. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. But. You know, and you, you hope that they're going to go that route because so far every one of their you know their 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 iconic villains has been disposed of rather simply. One one yeah. hopes that they they have a, a plan down the down the road for that. Yeah. Um. But beyond beyond that, uh, I don't I don't think they have to be the same. And I'm hoping that you know as much as I trust Jeff John, I'm hoping that there's nobody. You know, in the studio, from the studio, whispering in his ear, "Hey, how about we make this more like that movie or this movie?" I'm hoping that they, you know, if they make the decision that they're gonna go a little bit lighter as it looks. Yeah. You know, I don't need a, I don't need a light Wonder Woman movie. If the movie's about World War One, there wasn't a whole lot funny about World War One. <laughs> yeah. You know, trench warfare and mustard gas. There's no jokes in that. <laughs> so I don't, I don't need that movie to be funny. I need it to be good. Yeah. Right? And and I, I'm hoping they don't. You know, try and comedy it up for the sake of bringing in a, a few more bodies to the seats, and and you know, make it something it's not supposed to be. Yeah, I, right. I agree a hundred percent on that. I mean, DC has always been a very much more like I always felt Marvel was more of the fantasy, but DC had more of a, like the, you know the grounded type of you know even in the books. You know, what I mean, there is you know people with superpowers, but I mean, it's it's hard to explain it really. But I mean. I, I agree 100% with you. Wonder Woman should be a straightforward, dramatic action thriller film. And there should be maybe three, four jokes in that. Same thing with Aquaman. Aquaman doesn't look like the type of person who's going to be making jokes. You know what I mean? Like, he also, you know, grips up Bruce Wayne in that Justice League trailer. He looks scary. They really need to treat the Wonder Woman movie with, like, extreme care because it, it's going to be the first female superhero movie yeah. that either studio has put out. You know, we still haven't gotten a Black Widow film. You know, like, and... And they, still haven't, they haven't even discussed... They haven't even been discussed. They're, they're, right. they're hooked on the, the Captain Marvel thing now. You know, um, of course, like, Marvel has their female superheroes, but, like, this is going to be the first time, cinematically, where you're going to have a female superhero. So, like, number one, that's huge. Because, you know, you want to attract the ladies for that one. You know, you want to give, uh, you want to give respect to that. And then, like, you're doing a character on the screen for the first time in, like, in a, cinem- a cinematic universe. It's like, they got to get this right. Totally got to get it right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm hoping that in, in the, in, in trying to get it right, they're not, you know, trying to yuck it up. Like Iron Man three or something, um, which again, I you know I I enjoy it. I, I like the the twist of that, um, but I, I'm hoping they're not going to try and go that route to get bodies in the seats and you know the, the story itself suffers. Yeah. Um, did you guys pick up too? I mean, like you know, uh, Bruce Wayne walks into uh, this bar, and I mean, obviously people know it's Bruce. I mean, the same thing applies now to Bruce Wayne with Clark Kent. I mean, everybody in the DCU is going to know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And um, I'm, I'm Randy, you remember years ago when uh, Bruce Wayne came out and said that he was funding Batman? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. think that that's what the DC Universe is doing right now? I hope so. Um, 
I thought that was a great idea. You know, I I, I very rarely, and you'll pardon the water you hear in the background running the bath for my son. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, you know, I I thought Batman Incorporated was one of the, the best things ever, and you know, there's very little Grant Morrison does that I won't co-sign. But um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that at all if they put him out there, like because I did find it interesting in, in uh, Batman and Superman. He was you know he was creeping around the uh, uh, the, the fight club? funeral, and nobody noticed him. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's what he does, and you know, even even takes for the funeral. Yeah, and anonymously, which I thought was awesome. You know, like, yeah, all right, cool. What do you think, Brett? Brett? Do you think that Bruce Wayne can exist in a universe where everyone knows he's Batman? Well, you've got to remember too. In this version of the story, like he's been around for twenty years, so I think True. like certain people do know and like have to know or figured it out. So I mean, it'd be one thing if it's like Batman Year One and like people know he's you know. But I mean, he's like twenty years in. That's a good point. I wasn't thinking. Yeah, I mean, like he's been twenty in, but I mean, even like I don't know. Sometimes I wish that that plot point wasn't like their driving force for B versus S. Like you know, he's been around for a long time. I, I mean, I great. He's been around for a long time, but I'd love to see, you know, what he's accomplished and like this, you know, the yeah. Easter eggs of Robin and stuff like that. I mean, well, keep in mind, there is still you know a Batman movie coming out. I know, so, but you know right. what? They still haven't announced it. I guess they have a an October. And somewhat like a November date, somewhere way down the line in 2018. I mean, and the other thing that's clicking in my head too is like these actors that are portraying Batman and the Joker. I mean, uh, Jared is what like almost 40. He's either 42 or 44. Ben Affleck really? is 44. Yeah, Leto's old. Like he's wow. up there. Yeah, he be, he's eating the, his veggies. You know what I mean? Like he looks good for his age. But I mean, wow. um, I didn't know he was that old. Yeah, he's up there. You know what I mean? And um, you, like you know, it seems as if they're taking their time, and you know, we get these ten pole releases in 2018, and then when the sequel comes out, these guys are pushing 50, and then you're right back in the same problem with you know Robert Downey Jr. You know what I mean as Iron Man, you know. But now it seems as if, you know, they must have given him like you know a small island somewhere in the Pacific because now he's you know in Spider Man Homecoming and and whatnot. Um, that's that's one of the issues. While I asked I asked you guys, you know, like you know Bruce Wayne you know, um, coming out in the DC universe. I, I, I'm not a fan of the fact that they're almost mirroring Bruce Wayne just as Tony Stark, you know what I mean, in a way. Like, without, like, revealing anything uh, to spoil uh, Randy's phone when he goes sees the Suicide Squad, um, there's, a, you know, a post credit scene. And, you know, it plays off of some of the Marvel tones in there. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, like, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of that. I mean, I'm a fan of Bruce putting on the Ritz, being a billionaire playboy, and just being Batman. You know what I mean? And, like, taking yeah, care of business. Then, you yeah, know what I mean? The, the two of them should be doing separate things. So, like, yeah. Batman should be doing the recruiting. Exactly. As opposed to Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and I'm not... not I you know, see that. I, yeah, that, I can see where that would get to be problematic. Like, I would much rather... Yeah, because you, you know, can only go so far with it. You know what I mean? Because if, like, you know, like, everyone knows... Then you can't have any, you know, sense of mystique. You can't, you know, surprise people. Be like, oh, it's Batman. Yeah. It's Bruce Wayne. What's up? You know, like people. Yeah. I, I, that's you the know, one problem with the DCU. And also, too, I mean, you know, the the, the, the problem is that I feel as if they've rushed these characters. Um, I agree with what you said earlier. My favorite of all the DC universe films is Man of Steel. When it came out, I remember sitting there watching it and just being like, holy shit, 
This is entertaining, especially on Krypton in the beginning. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, I thought yeah, that I they really, it. really did a good job with Superman in that film. He wasn't the dark, um, moody type of hipster. He wasn't Batman vs. Superman yet. I mean, he was listening to straight Soundgarden at certain points in the script, but I mean, like, he had an element of heroism to him that has now just been lost because they chose to kill him off already. And that, to me, was just like, oh, man, dude, you know, like, did you really have to do the Doomsday storyline in B versus S? Because we haven't really got a chance to know Superman yet. Yeah. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, I mean, when Superman point, died in seventy really in issue 75, I'm sorry to interrupt you guys because I'm so fucking passionate about this shit. It's almost <laughs> like real life. But, I mean, like, you know, he, when he died, he was the hero of the city. People knew who he was. They, they, they loved him. You know what I mean? And B versus S, he was, you know, people hated him. And the decision to take him out of the equation this early completely baffled me. And that's one of the many oh, reasons I, I have problems here's, with here's, 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 here's what made it work. Here's what made it work. And, and, and I've had this discussion, too. Um, because and I think the, the biggest issue with, with Batman is Batman, you were introducing this being to a, a, a very cynical world anyway. So, you know, think about if, you know, if Superman showed up tomorrow, how he would how they would react to him in Philly, right? And so, you know, you have this being that, you know, he he saved the whole world. A whole bunch of people died. And he's, you know, just trying to do everything that he can to make up for that. And still there's, you know, all of this doubt and so on and so forth. He, they had to do that to sort of, to, to get him at a level where the, uh, that Superman in, in 75 was after, you know, 75 years. You know, it, it, when he died facing Doom today, he was already that guy. He had been that guy hundreds and hundreds of times and it saved the planet so many times. And in, in this particular iteration of the story, you know, you only had, all you had was these people constantly, like, doubting who this guy was and what he was about. And, you know, regardless of the, you know, ignoring the fact they saved the world, and you know, ten minutes after he showed up, but he had to do something, you know, and so they had to create that sort of thing in in this realm, and so that was that was how they they created it. I I, I guess I mean I, I'm following what you're saying there, but for me though, still as like you know a fan, it was way too soon. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, I mean my. My whole issue with Batman versus Superman, I, I don't think they should have brought Doomsday in it. I really think like the central conflict should have been the two of them fighting and then coming to terms and then possibly setting up Doomsday as the cliffhanger. Like, show Luke... Uh, Luke, Jesus. Lex, <laughs> like, show Lex about to, like, look into, like, something like that I, I actually thought they would have saved Doomsday for the second half of the Justice League movie I mean I, I, I would have put like, Luther in the suit man I would have made Luther the bad yeah, guy like, you know even, what I mean? even that like I would have taken that like and my other is you know I had a problem that like Doomsday just didn't look like Doomsday like from the comic you know I wanted to see more like it looked like an orc from Lord of the Rings and but I'm like, but then here's the thing. But but the, the cool thing about it was you watched him develop into the, into that into into Doomsday, and that's that's exactly what happened. He because if he looked more like 
that original, uh, like when he first came out in the movie, yeah. he looked more like that, but he was wrapped up in, remember he was wrapped up in the green? All the spikes yeah, right. and stuff came out later, throughout the fight. So by the time he died, out, he was all spiked up. The spice only comes out when he, he gets hit by the newt. And then the only other time you see more come out is when he gets his arm taken off and like the bone protrudes. Well, again, it, again, from a, from a, from a, from a, like, but it also, it, that whole, that whole fight took place over eight issues. True. Right? So this is, you know, this is, this is going on a whole thing that they had to condense into, you know, 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that, totally. I mean, I don't know. I just yeah, wish I, that I, Superman I, wasn't I, dead in this world. You know what I mean? Superman, like in your second movie, like you're setting up this franchise. You're two movies in. You're going to kill Superman already? Like the Justice League hasn't even been formed yet, and you're going to kill him already? Like right off the bat? Like, you know, I feel like you know he's coming back. That's oh, without a doubt. Yeah, but I mean, still though, it's like, I don't know, that story beat would have had much more... Um, there would have been a lot more riding on it if, you know, this happens after Man of Steel 2 and, like, he gets a chance to, like, you know, save the world, like you were saying earlier, you know what I mean? Like, that's just one of the things that I feel as if the, the, going forward, like, with the Justice League, obviously, he's, you know, Bruce failed him in life and now he wants to do better in death or whatever and, like, recruit these metahumans, but, like, I don't know. I mean, that to me just, I've never seen that in the, it never happened in the books and, like, you know, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I just wish that, you know, it was a little different. I am excited that they're actually going to go ahead and do a Man of Steel 2 because I, I miss Superman and Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, I do agree with you, Randy, that in Ultimate Cut you get a chance to see a little bit more of Clark Kent's journalism and stuff like that, his, you know, investigative things in Gotham. But, I mean, at the same time, I miss Superman. I miss, you know what I mean, just seeing him as the main star of the film. And I really think that they did him dirty by going straight into Batman vs. Superman. I would have straight up done Man of Steel 2 and made Man of Steel 2 the biggest blockbuster ever by, you know, like almost like what happened with Superman Returns where Brian Singer was like, we're going to do the next one and it's going to be the biggest fight in the world and you guys are going to love it. I, I really feel as if they should have just taken their time and like there was this sense of them rushing to catch up to Marvel, but you can't catch Marvel at this point, you know what I mean? Marvel's out the gate. Marvel's already three, four laps ahead of us. You know what I mean? Like, we can't we can't beat you. You know what I mean? We will never will because there's the whole universe set up. You know, we're still building. And, um, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel as if, hopefully, with, with Justice League, you know, they, they, they take care of some of these story elements. And, I mean, it looks fun. You know what I mean? Cyborg looks great. Flash looks yeah, super fun. Yeah, you know, fun. and that's the thing, too. It's, it really blows my mind. Like, you look at Marvel. Like, they took their time. You know, they gave you each one of those characters, their own movie, you know, some even had two movies out before the Avengers came out, you know, and it was getting you excited that like, oh my God, eventually they're all going to be put together. It's going to be fucking amazing. Like, I can't wait. Oh my God, I'm going to see Iron Man 2. Like, when, when can I get to Captain America? When am I going to get Thor? Oh my God, I saw these movies. They're going to put them together. Holy shit. And then I remember when I went and saw the first Avengers, man, there was a 20 times in that movie, like, I stood up out of my seat, like, cheered, and, like, I went and saw it three times, you know, but, like, you were with all those characters, like, when you got to the Avengers, each one of them had a movie, and, like, you knew their character well, and Man of Steel, and that means Superman, like, we didn't get that, like, we get, like, glimpses of Cyborg, and you get glimpses of the Flash and Aquaman, like, and then we're going to get a Justice League movie before we get 
like an Aquaman movie or a Cyborg movie. It's like, I just feel like DC goes about it all wrong, and they just want to try to catch up with Marvel, but I think they need to just get over that. See, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that it's wrong. I don't know that it's wrong. It's different, sure. But tell me this: after uh, you know, after Star Wars kind of came out, would you have wanted to see a Chewbacca movie? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I don't think. I think you know. I, I think sometimes you know after after you know six Star Wars movies. Yeah. Okay. Give me a Chewbacca movie. Fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I think it, it may have worked. The other thing, the, the thing I find really funny about, you know, when you talk about the, you know, the way Marvel did it, which and I'm, I'm, I, it worked for them, but at the same time, you have so many people that go back and have, you know, really shit on, like I said, First Avenger, Iron Man 2 and 3, Thor 1 and 2, and Hulk. So of, this, of six of the movies, you know, in general, you hear people talking all this mess about, it's like, well, maybe they didn't do it right. right you know, yeah. it, it's worked for them. That's fine, and I'm glad that it worked for them, but maybe it's not the best way to go. It's working for them, that's fine, but maybe it's not, you know, the only way to do it. I do agree I that no some, some of the Marvel movies yeah, are a little but flat. There hasn't been any Marvel movie yet, though, that has been panned like these DCU movies have been getting. Well, I, like, again, I, 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 I think there, Iron, there's, there's a difference. Too. I think everyone considers Iron Man 2 to be the worst. What I stole... I have no problem with that. I like Iron Man 2. So but, I. you know, I've even read reviews where they were like, yeah, Iron Man 2 is like the worst of the bunch. But even the reviews are like, but it's still an entertaining movie. You know, the characters are still great, you know. And, you know, like Suicide Squad, I haven't even seen many of those. Like, I see a couple saying like, oh, this is person's good and this person's good. And they got the characters right, but plot is a mess. I just... Yeah, you know, I mean, it's bizarre, though. I mean, like, the one thing, though, that has to be said, though, is that the the reviews of Suicide Squad are really brutal. And then when you watch the film, I mean, it's a summertime tentpole popcorn flick, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't doesn't have any moments in it where I'm like, you know, like, with Batman vs. Superman, yeah, I had some moments where, like, why is he doing this? Why are we in a dream within a dream? I didn't have one like one aspect of that going into Suicide Squad and throughout the whole film. I mean, I might have like questioned a couple of things, but at the same time, it's a fun movie. Um, yeah. You know, I really think that they they got the characters right this time around and like, you know, definitely, you know, in the future, I, I mean, personally, I'd love to see a like a Joker, Harley Quinn road movie where it's just them, yeah. they escape Gotham. Yeah, that would be interesting. And like they go I, on like I, a straight I killing see. spree across like the, you know, United States to be badass. I need to see Batfleck and Leto's Joker like that movie like tomorrow. I need to see it. Like I, I, I it needs to happen before I die. The rumors out there like, are saying that it's going to be the Black Mask and the Joker in the Batman, oh, and Jeff Johns oh, wow. is writing it with with Affleck. And um, right, I mean, there's so much stuff that we 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 still need to know. I mean, obviously Superman's got to come back from the death, and I mean that's the one thing too that like also I'm, I'm a little worried about like the way that Superman came back. I loved when I was a kid. He died in the books. And then for a long time, there wasn't a Superman title on the shelves. I remember going to comics and more, and like, you know, you didn't have the internet back in the early 90s. And like, the only way I found out that stuff was happening was through this big book uh, called Previews. And I never forget where, um, you know, I came across it and it was like announcing that, you know, he was, there was going to be all these new Superman coming back that got, uh, excuse me, Metropolis. And I remember being so excited. And like, that storyline took, I think, almost a year. 
We had uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the Cyborg, yeah. yeah, the Cy- Cyborg Superman. We had Steel, which was awesome. Um, we had Superboy. Superboy and the Eradicator. And yeah, and like you know what I mean. Like those four characters right there were so strong. To, that's my problem, Randy, with killing Superman off is they can't bring him back in time in the Justice League to explore all the great aspects of the rebirth of Superman. I mean, the whole thing with Clark Kent and Pa Kent oh, that, going. Again, they, that, and well, see, that's the, that's the issue with a lot of these superhero movies, is that you really can't do so much of it because you're dealing with, you know, 50 and 60 years of history yeah. in some cases. That's why, you know, Tony Stark had to create Ultron, you know, and because, you know, Hank Pym wasn't around then to, to do it. It, it. But if it's done well, it's done well. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the, the, the hard part is, sort of letting go of everything that you know of the comics. But still, though, I'm just saying that that, that story as a kid is badass. I would po- love to see, you know, the Eradicator and Steel and Superboy oh, and, awesome. you know, Cyborg Superman on God, the screen. Awesome. I would love to see that. I mean, they could do it on the CW, I guess. I mean, eventually, if Superman gets his own show. But, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, the whole thing with Ultron being, you know, rewritten as Tony Stark being the, the creator. I For me, I mean... You know, as a Superman fan, I just wish that, you know, we had more time with him before we got to this. Because when he does come back, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not sure if there'll be enough time to have it have the same emotional weight as it did in the books. And you could do that with, with you know, certain... You could do that in film, but I don't know. I feel as if it just came a little bit too soon. But, I mean, do dude, I can't guys, wait till he comes guys, back. You know what I mean? And if he does come back, what do you guys think? Do you think it's going to be in the black suit with long hair? I, was I hope so. Like, do you think he's in the first part? I don't know if he's in the first part. He's, uh, he's the cliffhanger. I, I, I don't know, but I, I do know this. I do know that I trust Jeff Johns. Yeah, you know that. Now, and if there's, any, if there's anybody that can that can make it work, it's Jeff Johns. Is Jeff, no, what, what's Jeff Johns' like first movie great. as this role? Does anybody know? Say again? What, what, like, Jeff Johns has now acquired the chair, like uh, Kevin Feige or whatever in Marvel... What film is the first one that's being put out by DCU where Jeff is in charge? I think it might be Justice League. Hold on a second. Justice League, yeah. okay. Yeah, I think it is Justice League. So we still have, we got Wonder Woman, and then we have Justice League, and then, I mean, Aquaman. I can't, they just uh, released today that Black Manta is going to be the, the villain for Aquaman. I mean, how? <laughs> that's going to be wild, man, especially given, like, you know, like, the world that you can create around Aquaman? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait for that. I really hope that, the, that uh, the trench comes involved, like the DC, um, in the new 52, um, Aquaman oh God, that, 1 through the, 7. The trench stuff? The trench was awesome, dude. <laughs> if they bring that into it, my God, you know, but, uh, yeah, I got high hopes, you know what I mean? I got high hopes for the future with the DCU. I mean, like I said, I mean, Randy, like you'll have to like hit me up and let me know what you think of Suicide Squad after you say it, but I mean, you know, for all the shit that it's getting, it's not that bad, you know, and it's it's fun, and it's just a step in the right direction, and if they continue on with, you know, these characters, I mean, you can make these films forever, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a shame that we have to defend it a lot, you know, and like I said before, like when we were doing the Batman vs. Superman podcast, Brett, I mean, yeah, I wasn't a fan of it, but I got a lot of shit, like, on Twitter because I was, like, yeah, I guess I was talking shit, but at the same time, I mean, this is, like, talking shit on my favorite meal, you know what I mean? Like, 
just because the burger didn't come out right doesn't mean I'm going to eat it the next time. You know what I mean? Like, I love Batman, I love Superman, I love DC Comics, and I just want to be able to see, you know, it done right. And, you know, like, I want justice, you know what I'm saying? I dig that. I totally dig that. But um, I think that's uh, all the time we have uh, this evening on the Bobcast, uh, the Suicide Squad DCU predictions for the future. Um, both you guys are musicians. Uh, I do believe, uh, Randy, uh, you have a show coming up if you'd like to plug it. I'm actually will be in uh, in at Nipway on August 21st. We're about to, we're hitting the road tomorrow doing a 10-city tour in the southeast. We'll be in Kentucky, Tennessee, and then we'll be back here in Philly on the 21st rocking out down in Nipway. And where can everybody check yeah. out your music? What website? Gangstagrass.com. Excellent. And uh, yeah, Brett, are you still doing your thing on the weekends? With me? Bangarang? Oh, yeah, as always. Yeah, almost every weekend down at Cindy Live, you can find me playing all your horrible favorites, like Jesse's Girl and Sweet Caroline. <laughs> Yo, you make it look good, though. I saw a video of you up on the amp. You were rocking out, dude. You know? Oh, that's what happens when I, uh, I have five vodka cranberries. Feels good, though. <laughs> Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for being on the Bobcast talking about all things DC Comics. My name's Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast. Bobcast.